Welcome to I Like the Way You Work It, a podcast from your friends at Dateline Digital Printing. At Dateline, we care a lot about taking unusually good care of people and helping them do their very best work. This podcast is a gift to the remarkable people we have the honor of serving. And now, I Like the Way You Work It, with your host, Jeff Welch. What is up? Welcome to episode 11 of I Like the Way You Work It. You guys, today I am sharing a conversation that I had with Marilyn Romano, who in addition to being my homie, is the former publisher of the Fairbanks Daily News Miner and is presently a VP with Alaska Airlines. And Marilyn is just so legit. She has so many good stories and we, we talked about recovering from mistakes, and the importance of letting everyone in your organization know the value they contribute and how you're always interviewing for your next gig. Uh, Marilyn has so many good stories, and I feel like I could have just, and probably should have, just turned the microphone on and left the room. But uh, I, I know that you will get a ton of value from hearing from her, and I just can't wait for you guys to hear this episode. Enjoy. No one has had more trouble with the headphones than you. <laughs> I mean, this is off to a, a real good start. But how does my, how do I look? How do my ear, how do my earrings look? Your earrings look fantastic. <laughs> They're in there somewhere. I feel confident. Oh, that makes me laugh. I think the audience will appreciate the earrings quite a bit. So I'm, I was yes. re- I was reminiscing. Yes. Uh, as I prepared for you to show up today. Mm about how I wanted to be your friend and then I did all the things I needed to become your friend and then it worked and now we're homies. Well, I didn't know that you were, it was a a strategy yes. on your part. scheming. It was a mastermind wow. thing. Because you, you could have just started hanging with me. Mm-hmm. I, that makes some sense, but I still think that uh, my way was certainly more contrived and difficult wow than that and and probably didn't have to be yeah because you've become a very good friend and well as have you we're, we're homies well yes and i learned the term i'm okay. i'm understanding it now yeah we've driven around juno together mm-hmm. um, and anchorage and, and anchorage yeah. yes you you i have a, a history of having personal drivers different places I go and you are you've seen absolutely me, one of my favorites. You've seen me parking on a hill. In, oh yes, we've had in Juno, front of the governor's house. Yes. Down, uh, pointing the car pointing gravity literally working against us. Vertically down. In a very densely populated mm-hmm. side of the road and area. I believe we dug a big box out of the back of the vehicle there so was that cardboard and I involved. made you put it between the bumpers so that when the car got into park and kind of Gravity moved, moved it th- th- forward th- a little bit. Yeah. We crushed the box and not the car in front yes, of us. Yes, the car was unharmed. Both cars were unharmed. It was an engineering marvel. It was something. <laughs> <laughs> it was remarkable. Um, but so you, you you were the facilitator for Leadership Fairbanks in, what did we decide, 1415? 1415. Okay. Yes. And I was newly on the board of directors for the Chamber of mm-hmm. Commerce. And this Leadership Fairbanks is a chamber program. And so I had I had known about you. I had known you by reputation. And everyone mm. who knew you 
had good things to say about Marilyn. Very nice. And I thought to myself, Marilyn is the kind of people I need to know because she seems real legit. Uh, you seem like you had uh, a crazy great work ethic. Um, you were being very successful in the work you were doing. And I'm like, I need to get next to this person because I need some of that juju on me. And so I just started showing up at every leadership you fair. You did. Banks. You were never on an agenda. You nope. were never on my list. I didn't know for months. I was like, who is this, Who's guy, this guy that keeps showing up? and Moving tables, sit, doing whatever I whatever. could. Whatever. Yeah. And fast forward five Here we years are. and we're homies. That's so right. I see you two days a year. But it's it's like a bond that, I mean, like actual... Uh, either personal interaction, like being in the same place, or even telephonic interaction. We, we talk maybe four times a year. Exactly. So, But you know what? I just had this conversation with someone the other day. My best friend is here in Fairbanks, mm-hmm. my friend Margaret. Yes. Margaret and I, I think that you get to a point in your life where you know that someone is going to be there for you and that mm-hmm. they're your dear friend. But you, sometimes Margaret and I go weeks and weeks and yeah. eight weeks without talking to each other or we're both busy and on Christmas morning I send a Christmas morning text Mm -hmm. and she sends one back and I don't feel I don't feel left out I don't feel like you know do I need to I I think we're all at a point in our life where I don't need to worry Margaret will always be there for me I will drop everything and be here for Margaret Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I put you in that category in that I don't have to talk to people every day or once a month or set it in a calendar yeah. to reassure me that people are out there. And I yeah. hope people feel the same way about me. I just think that in our lives, if you and I get to have coffee together in Anchorage or our annual trip to mm-hmm. Juneau for mm-hmm. the First Ladies Volunteer Awards, that is something exciting to look yeah. forward to. Yeah, and I, I actually cherish those times together. Yeah, as do I. Where I'd probably get kind of bored with you if I had to see you every yeah, day. Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> I, I know a number of people who can confirm that that would be the outcome. I'm kidding, So of I, can, I can connect. I'm kidding, of course. Well, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think that the people listening are going to pick up on that. Yeah. Although maybe we are so dry and hilarious that they <laughs> just will. We think we're so funny. Well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So tell me how a little girl from Houston, Texas, ends up an executive for Alaska Airlines. I mean, this is this is quite a, a fairy tale here. It is. In, in many ways, even I look back sometimes and say, you know, this has been an incredible journey. It's been, and I, I talked about that, I talked about it earlier today, mm-hmm. about pivotal points in your life. And you, you make decisions, and sometimes you don't know at in the, when you're in the moment, whether they're the right or wrong decision. Mm-hmm. But when you look back over the course of your life and you realize there were a lot of, I made the, I, put, I didn't know what I was doing, but yeah. I must have made the right decision mm-hmm. a couple of times because I'm here by the grace of many incredible people mm-hmm. um, having faith that maybe I could do something <laughs> that I didn't, wasn't a hundred percent sure I could uh, and being willing to take the chance. And I, you know, so the little girl born and raised in Houston, Texas, uh, gets an opportunity after working at a newspaper for 12 years that she left college without a college degree for a couple of different reasons and found this passion for the newspaper industry and got a, got a job and I shared $155 a week mm. starting at the bottom 
fell in love with the industry, fell in love with sales, fell in love with the whole um, world of media and newspapers mm-hmm. and ended up being there for 12 years when one night I just happened, I sometimes say it just because the owner didn't, there were there was no one else in the building or... <laughs> Marilyn's the only light on. So there's only her. light on in yeah. an office, seems to be Marilyn's, and called me. He was on the third floor. He called to tell me he had just bought a newspaper in Fairbanks, Alaska. This was in February of 92. I was single and had lived my whole life in Houston, mm-hmm. whole family there, and just bought a little house, and life was good. And he said, I just bought a paper in Fairbanks, Alaska, and I thought of you. You need to go up there and <laughs> show me that you can move, and uh, if you want to grow in this industry, you need to show me that you can pick up and move, and I want to make you the director of advertising and marketing. And I remember sitting there thinking, what have I done to tick him off? Why me? Why are you sending why, me away? Yeah. Why are you making me Why are you making me go away? And I came and spent a week up here, and I think I've shared that many times that I don't know why a week later when the phone rang and the publisher mm-hmm. at the time, Paul Massey, said, are you coming? And I said, yeah, I'll come. And then I hung up and everything in my body began to shake. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I didn't even tell anybody I went up there for a week. Now I'm yeah. telling them I'm moving there. And I did. Yeah. And I started, I moved up here in April of 1992. Man. And so uh, the w- when you started at this paper in Houston, I-, I love the story that goes along with that of uh-huh. the the man who's hiring you. Yes. Telling you to look out at all the people working there and, <laughs> and, and to ask you where you want to be in five years. Yeah, he, he asked me to look out there in that room of 100 people who were, quote unquote, ad takers, taking ads over the telephone, classified ads. Half of them were sleeping. Some of them were sitting on each other's desk. And he said, I want you to look out there and tell me, can you do this job? And I said, you know what? I think I can. And then he said, I have one more question. This is my first interview. I'd left school was going to take a year off so this was going to be kind of a transition a bridge year of just kind of I was going to work and he's sitting in this glass fishbowl like office and he said I have one more question where do you want to be in five years and I thought I'm 19 years old I I I did not practice or study for this question Mm -hmm. and I without thinking too much more than that I said I'd like to be in your job. And then I thought, well, that's the end of that. <laughs> can't, can't pull those words back across the desk and mm. take them back. And, and he looked at me and he said, that's the right answer. Yeah. And he hired me and I started two days later at my $155 mm-hmm. a week. And five years later, I had his job. Yeah. I was in the fishbowl five then, years later. And then a few years after that? You're in Fairbanks, Alaska. I'm in Fairbanks, Alaska. I, I, uh, yeah, I, everything got packed up for me and I was in a daze for all they let me bring was a box of clothes and I lived at the Regency Hotel for a few weeks while I looked for a condo and all I wanted were were my things. It was like, can, I'd like to have my couch and I'd like to have my pots and pans. I wanted my, it was like, I need to feel like this is home because I mean, the Regency's nice, but it's not home. Yeah. And, well, I, and, I, and I also love that I found out, you know, sometime later, obviously it wasn't at, that, at this time, that we were basically neighbors. 
for oh. quite a period of time out there in University West. I lived at, yeah, I lived right on the Chena River. Mm-hmm. And on Dartmouth. Yep, my parents lived at the end of the Dartmouth. I lived on the third floor, no elevator, mm-hmm. and I was always bound and determined. I had one, I, they told me, everybody told me at the news minor, okay, you're never going to survive here. You don't know what winter's like. You're going to have to have a heated garage. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you heat garages? And I didn't understand that. <laughs> and and I said, I don't understand. It's April. It looked decent to me. And But I found that condo with the mm-hmm. garage the door. Garages, right. yep. And I, I thanked those people for the entire time I lived there <laughs> on the third floor. Thank you for having garages. Exactly. exactly. So we were destined to be homies. We were exactly. neighbors for a time. So you come to Alaska, you you have not completed your college degree, you're working in the um, in the newspaper industry for quite a while, and eventually mm-hmm. get this opportunity with Alaska Airlines. Uh-huh. So we're kind of, we're skipping around here a little bit. Um, you have skipped many, you skipped almost yes. 19 years. And <laughs> so, but I, I want to know about sure. th- the intervening gap there. You show up in Fairbanks to... You get this executive gig with Alaska Airlines. I want to know, like when I think about you, I think about somebody who works really hard Mm -hmm. and somebody who legitimately cares about the people around them. So tell me how those kind of things, if I'm right about those two assessments, uh, how those two things may be colored you getting from here to there. Because it seems like it has an impact on on the opportunity for Alaska Airlines even showing up. I, I, I hope that those two things are true. I feel like, I do feel like I grew up in a family where hard work was valued. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of value placed on working hard. Uh, when I didn't ever go back to school, you know, that my dad always told me, you're still going to have to work really hard you have yeah. to work harder sometimes than people coming out of college and getting jobs and you're going to be kind of moving up and and I never mind I, I would never mind working hard um, I also just always believed that you had to set the example no matter what role you were playing in a company and no matter you know when you start at the at at a lower level in a company and you work your way up I, I had a great boss once who told me the day you forget what that job was like the mm-hmm. day you forget what your first job was like this yeah. entry-level job you are going to be less effective leading people the mm-hmm. way that if you, you have to remember because the majority of people that you will come in contact with are not going to be directors executives vps those are not the people that are you know, I used to tell people at the News Miner when I became publisher in 2000. I started there in 92. I became publisher, which was a goal of mine. Yeah. I wanted to become a publisher of a newspaper before I was 40, and that happened for me here, which was great. Uh, when I became publisher, I told somebody once, I said, you understand, I don't write one story. I don't go out anymore. I may go out with a salesperson and talk about an ad. I may sit in an editorial board meeting and talk about framing an opinion on a subject, but I don't write any, I don't write a story. I don't sell an ad. I don't build those ads. Mm -hmm. I don't run the press. I don't strap those bundles together. I said, basically with the, if you think about it, there are some days I am the least important person Mm -hmm. in the room. Yeah. 
And I tried to never forget that. And sometimes those lessons are hard. Sometimes you make really big mistakes. And I've admitted that in my career, I've made mistakes and took my eye off the ball and didn't take care of people Mm -hmm. or spend enough time with a different, a certain group of people. And I learned from now, if I wouldn't have learned from that, then this would be a different conversation. But when you have to, when you have to stand before people and say, I was wrong and I have made a mistake and I have not given you the attention or the respect that you deserve. And you just hope and pray that they accept Mm -hmm. that from you and give you the chance to make it right. And I, I spent many years at the news minor remembering that, remembering that there was a group of people and they'll know who they are <laughs> that come to work at four thirty in the afternoon when most people, including me, most people are, are ending their day yeah. and they're coming in to run presses and take those bundles of papers and load trucks for delivery and inserting inserts. And those are hard jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, they can be dangerous jobs. There's, you know, but they're really hard jobs and they're happening in the middle of the night while everybody's sleeping. Yeah. And, I learned a long, I learned a really valuable lesson during that time that it was important for me to figure out that I needed to spend time with that group of people as much as I needed to yeah. be there during the day. And how was I going to make that work? Mm-hmm. And how was I going to let everybody know that their jobs were important? And that's a, that's a tough lesson sometimes. And yeah. it's easy to say, I'm tired. It's easy to say, I've been up since five and I'm going home 12 hours later. Yeah. But it's also a lot of fun to say, I'm going to join you for dinner on a Saturday night when your lunch is at 10 p.m. Yeah. Because I'm going to get to know you and I'm going to mm-hmm. get to understand and appreciate the work that you do. And I, I don't think that, that is, uh, I think that's special. I think you think that that's just the way things are because that's the way you look at the world and that's wonderful. But I think that's a pretty special thing that you bring to the table is that you really legitimately, you recognize that um, that is an important part of being present with and taking care of the people who are taking care of you. Well, and I, I think I recognized that I had not done it sure. correctly. Sure. Yeah. I recognized that I had been remiss. Mm-hmm. Um, those are hard lessons to yeah. learn. And it's, it's sometimes hard to admit because everybody wants to think. We all want to think well, I've got this and I have my finger on the pulse of what's going on. And when, and when you realize that that's not necessarily the case, it's, it's what you decide to do about it. I chose that. I never wanted to forget that. And Mm -hmm. I use some of these experience, even today, even today, I think back and think that was such a valuable lesson. And also it gave me the opportunity to learn and meet and get to know much better, an incredible group of employees that I would have never had the opportunity and when one of them, the manager of that group, retired last year, they called me and asked me if I would come mm-hmm. and surprise him. And so we, I went on a Saturday night at 10 p.m. I fl- flew up here, and I thought, you know, that's that couldn't have been a greater. That was just a really joyful moment yeah. for me. That was that was like those are the things that I get the greatest amount of of joy from in my job are those kind of moments yeah so you have a a long and very productive 
uh, career at the news miner, mm-hmm. but you you weren't looking to make a change when no. when the Alaska Airline opportunity showed up. You weren't out there sniffing around for a better gig. No. Um, so, for some reason, they come looking for you. Well, yeah. So, so I served on the Alaska. Starting in 2000, I became publisher, and I was asked to serve on the Alaska Airlines Community Advisory Board for Fair, representing Fairbanks. There's an uh, advisory board in Fairbanks, Anchorage, the Arctic, and Southeast Alaska. And I was asked, and I agreed to serve on that board. Mm-hmm. And I had served on that board at this point for 11 years. So it, we're now up to 2011. Yeah. Um, I have been, you know, Brian and I think we're going to have a, we're going to retire at Harding Lake and no plans to do, you know, there was no plans. I mean, I had a great job, worked yeah. with great people. And I went to an advisory board meeting on April 20, April... 15th. You're really good with dates. I do love I dates. Would, I do love dates. Because when there was light outside, that's pit, what I... Pivotal dates in yeah. my life I like to remember. Yeah. Can't remember my phone number sometimes, but I can remember a date in 2011. And I went to the meeting. I walked into the meeting. There were some people there. The, the man whose job I now have had announced eight months prior that he was retiring after 35 years with the company. And so I walked in, some people were already there from Alaska Airlines, and I said, are we going to hear about Bill's replacement tonight? And they said, well, we haven't quite, you know, we've done a search, haven't quite found the right person. And then this particular person paused and said, you know, we're kind of looking for someone like you. And I remember laughing and saying, oh, gosh, you know, there's Mm -hmm. hundreds of people that could do this job that are great Mm -hmm. in Alaska. Anchorage, Fairbanks, there's just great people. And they said, you know, no, they're you know, something about you. And then again, not understanding why I opened my mouth. Sometimes I said, gosh, the only job I would ever leave (laughs) the news miner for is Alaska Airlines. And so that's all I said. And the meeting went on. Now looking back at the meeting, it was very funny because obviously there were, there was chatting amongst the Alaska Airlines executives that were in the room because every time they would ask a question, uh, to the group, and there were six of us from the advisory board, they, somebody would say, and Marilyn, what do you think? <laughs> and I always look back, and I think I've shared this with you before, that I, I feel like there are, there are, that throughout your life, you're, you're interviewing for jobs, and you don't even know it. Yeah, absolutely. People are developing a perception of you. Constantly. Constantly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's the way that, and they, I asked about that later, and I was told, you know, you never walked into a meeting that you didn't have a smile. You never walked into a meeting and said something bad about the news miner or the employees, or you never talked about negatively about people in the community. Mm-hmm. You always talked about the positive of your job and the, you know, the joy and the pleasure that you get from the work that you do. And they, and that made an impression. Now, I didn't do that consciously. Sure. But looking back, I think if that's something I can share with someone else to always be aware that people are perceiving you yeah. one way or another. And the next morning at 930, the CEO of Alaska Airlines called me and I was in Fred Meyer picking up donuts. And I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, what's happened? And and I think it was maybe 10 days later I had gone to Seattle and just had a conversation. It wasn't yeah. like a job. I didn't even have a resume. <laughs> like an updated resume yeah. from 1992. Which I didn't have an updated resume. It takes the pressure off, right? It does. So, like, so you go in. You're interviewing for a gig that you don't actually need. And so. it's like, and it's like, it's a conversation. But actually, yeah. I only wish we could all go into job yeah. interviews with that mindset because it became a really 
incredible conversation yeah. and they got to see, they asked really good questions and had me talk about my philosophy of leadership and yeah. how I feel about small company feel, which is something Alaska Airlines talks a lot about mm -hmm. as we grow. How do you keep that small, yeah. co that connection to employees? And I think it was all told probably 10 days later, Brian and I are looking at each other going, wow, we're, we're doing we're this. We're going to do this. <laughs> and I, and, and yeah. And, and then we, a lot of it happened and, I had it was heartbreaking because I left mm -hmm. people that I adore yeah. at the news miner. It's still my favorite newspaper, and, and <laughs> um, people that I love and care greatly about, and and a community that is really home to us. Yeah. So. And so you you are you move on to this new gig, yes. which is at once. I like that you call it a gig. Well, yeah, you know. Uh huh. Uh, very different from what you were doing uh -huh. before. And yet you've talked about the similarities between the kinds of businesses, even though they're radically different businesses, there's actually a lot of overlap in, mm -hmm. in them. That's, uh, so this is where I pause for you to expand on that. that okay. Yeah, okay. I, I, that, well, I like that. It was, I'll, it was I'll a, make a note for next time. A dramatic pause. Yeah. Um, they are, to me, this is how I look at it. Both of them, for the most part, are 24 seven operations. Mm -hmm. Um, they depend a great deal on people, customers, mm -hmm. uh, for their for their success, and they both are. They're both are highly dependent on really talented employees, yeah. uh, because there's a lot of interaction with the public, um, which brings its own opportunities, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and also you know there's got to be there's. There's talented people. Both companies, while one is considered to be a newspaper, one is considered to be an airline, they are both also companies that have everything you, you need in a company. You got to have an accounting area. Mm -hmm. You've got to have, you know, finance people. You have to have, you know, all those things it takes to run yeah. a company. You've got that. They exist in both places. And then yeah. they're both unique, you know, of course, in their differences. But I see a lot of the similarities. And I think that. My work at the News Miner, my work in the community, mm -hmm. uh, volunteering, sitting on boards, um, helping people. You know, in, in the, it's different. Like when one area in the newspaper, you know, you may have somebody come in saying, hey, we're doing a fundraiser because someone's child's been diagnosed with cancer and all the treatment's going to happen in Seattle. But we don't have any money to run an ad mm -hmm. for, the funder, for the spaghetti yeah. feed. Well, I'm going to make sure that the ad gets, mm -hmm. that is run. Um, on the airline, it's the same phone call and it's, okay, what can we do to help? Sure. There's always, there's going to be limitations sometimes, but it's, it's not about, sorry, it's about, well, what can we do yeah. in a situation like that? Um, so that, that is, that gives me, that, that gives me great fulfillment to know that in both of them, that I've tried to make, I tried to make both companies, there's, there's a personal connection mm -hmm. with the community. Sure. So you move on to Alaska Airlines, uh -huh. uh, still no college degree. Thanks for reminding me. You Thank are you for that. A, I, I don't, <laughs> I have no college degree, so uh, we're about to get to the part where you trump yeah. me here very, very, very soundly. Um, but you are, you are a VP with Alaska Airlines. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's not, lightweight kind of stuff. I mean, you're, you're doing serious work. 
Uh, so clearly you have proven like this. that you, yes, almost exactly like podcasting with me. You've proven over time that you can add, whether you have a piece of paper hanging on the yeah. wall or not, yeah. you can add value through the work that you I do. So. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- what is the coolest part about what you get to do every day? Or at least one of them. You have lots and lots and lots of stories. And I'm sure there are lots of things that are cool. There are lots of things that but are cool. But what's something that you just love about what you get to show up and do every day? Uh, well, first of all, it always goes to the people that I work with. I work with some of the coolest people mm-hmm. there are. I have this incredible team. In addition to the incredible team, I also have, I get to interact. We have 1,825 employees in the state. I can't see 1,825 employees every day. But to walk through the Anchorage Airport or the Fairbanks Airport and see somebody, give a hug, wish somebody a happy Tim Satry here in the Fairbanks Airport has been with the company four years. He became a legend last year. I flew down oh, to yes. Seattle I know to him. help. In, and small story, he, he lived, when I first met my now husband, Brian, they lived right next door to each other that's in amazing. an apartment complex on Dartmouth. Um, so that's obviously one Dartmouth. of the coolest neighborhoods yes. to hang out in. But, you know, it's to get to spend time with the people who do the work Mm -hmm. much like I said about the news miner to spend time with the people who are really doing the work who made sure you got your newspaper on time the people who make sure that those planes are safe that you're going to get to your destination on time that you're going to get helped with your bags that you're going to get helped at the gate if you have a question those are the people that's what I get great pleasure like great like it is I get excited and sometimes if I need a break from office Mm -hmm. work, my idea of a great couple of two hours is to get up and go walk over to the terminal in Anchorage and just walk around. Yeah. Well, and so now you uh, you were saying earlier, so this conversation is coming on the heels of you speaking at Leadership Fairbanks for like two hours. So we're, you, I'm really pushing the limits of how much I can ask from you. But you were telling us the story that they, so they built this huge new facility in Anchorage. Yes. And you've been able to, to move your offices in there so yeah. you can kind of see how things work. So we right? built this beautiful new hangar, which mm-hmm. you will see if you fly into Anchorage because it's big, it's blue. And if you're exiting the airport property, it's right it's on the right. You can't miss it. Um, but it's an it's a it's the maintenance hangar. Yeah. It's the new fifty million dollar maintenance hangar. It will hold two airplanes side by side. It's big enough to to- hold two airplanes that we don't even have, haven't even taken possession of the the seven thirty seven Max nines, which are the biggest airport planes that we'll have. And it was built to accommodate two of those side wow. by side. And it's a lead certified building. It they used they used they reclaimed the wood of the structure that was there when we bought the property and it's on the stairs and it's just an incredible facility and at some point in the conversation of during actually during construction was kind of the question of how cool would it be if the regional headquarters moved into that building and and it's a it's a fairly new concept and you'll see it um, in a lot of companies where they're combining what would be traditionally a more office environment yeah. work group in with the operational side of your company. This seemed like the perfect opportunity yeah. to do that, to be together. And so we've just moved in. We actually um, moved in December 17th into our new space. It's kind of an open concept. It's a great space. But how cool is it that for me to walk from my office to the restroom, I get to look out mm-hmm. a window into the hangar, and if there's an airplane in there, 
it's kind of geeky fun. That's pretty neat. It's like right there. No matter there. how you slice it, that's cool. And I can walk downstairs and walk in there, or they can walk up and say, hey, Marilyn, we wanted to show you something cool we're working on today. That's really And neat. come down here and look at this. Yeah. And to be part of them sharing their work is pretty incredible. Yeah. So. That's fantastic. Yeah. And so at some point, Alaska Airlines comes to you and says, hey, uh, we have this cool opportunity for you to get an executive MBA. Mm-hmm. And you have to say, "Hey, hold up! You know, I don't. I may not have the the base certifications to to do this." Yes, hold on a minute. I have to go back to 1980 <laughs> when I didn't when I left school for a year as a civil engineering major. Yeah. Okay. So anybody who knows me knows that probably wasn't a good fit. Um, they didn't get my jokes or my <laughs> pants flying around, and they're a lot more serious than I yeah. am. Um, I was going to sit out a year, and that year was 1980, mm-hmm. and now we are in 2000, what? 15? 15. Yeah. Um, and I got a call from Alaska Airlines saying we like we would love to be able to put two employees a year through the uh, University of Washington Executive MBA program, and Marilyn, would you like to go through the program? And it was one of those bittersweet moments where there's a part of me mm-hmm. that is like jumping up and down because the opportunity is so incredible. And then there's another one where you feel like you're just kind of crushed a little bit inside, yeah. even though you think you're way past that. You're yeah. way past 1980. Um, but apparently I there it was a it was a hard thing to say well, I don't think they're going to accept me because I don't have a bachelor's degree. Now, I've done all this stuff. Amazing body of work. but Including taught classes at, you know, as an adjunct at the (laughs) university. But this is going to be an obstacle and probably an insurmountable obstacle. And I I basically said, thank you, but you understand. And, And my boss at the time just is gracious and typical he said not going to be a problem he said if you want to go through the program he said this is just going to be another one of those moments in your life you're going to have to do the work to prove we're going to mm-hmm. we're going to accept you yeah. we're going to say we're going to pay for you to go through the program you're going to have to now get yourself now accepted get into the program <laughs> um and i did and it's very humbling mm-hmm. for anybody that's ever had to to go through something that you think there's part of you saying i shouldn't have to do this yeah extra step it's very humbling to say now Marilyn you can make a decision Mm -hmm. you can get over that and do whatever they ask you to do to get in or you can not accept this incredible opportunity I chose thank goodness um, to go ahead and you know swallow that a little bit of pride and say what do I need to do and they did put through me through different hoops <laughs> than everybody else. Sure. And they put me, I had to write a, like a paper on why I thought I was worthy of the program. And then the, the big clincher was you got to take a GMAT mm. exam, which nobody else is required to take. Yeah. But, and I, I said, okay. And I was full in. Yeah. And with my husband's unbelievable support, we hired a tutor. Yeah. I studied. I was on a fast track because if I if I didn't take the GMAT by a certain date, I wouldn't make it to start in the fall of yeah. 2015. And so the GMAT study, tutor said that people usually study two years. I studied three months and took it. 
I didn't sleep much. It's all a blur now. Yeah. Um, I didn't do bad on the GMAT. Didn't do incredibly great. Um, I, but I did well enough. And then I, I called them and I basically said, I've done everything you've asked me to do. Mm-hmm. I believe I add value. My, my, my years of experience, my body of work should add value to whoever else, what other other students, because part of that program is sharing, mm-hmm. like using your real life. There's people yeah. from Microsoft there. There's people from Apple there. There's people from nonprofits. There's people with military background. There's, it's an incredible diverse group of people, these students, 32 of us. Um, and I said, I believe I will add value to that group. Mm-hmm. And... Anyway, they accepted me. You should have just had them called me. I would have vouched Thank for you. Thank you, because we're homies. You would have and saved you a lot of I, effort. I started, like, I was accepted finally in August and literally went to the <laughs> retreat the next, like, three weeks later. Yeah. I, was re- I had to start with a one-week retreat, um, and then once a month for two years, um, I would fly on a Tuesday to Seattle go to the University of Washington campus where I stayed for four days. We had classes for four days, once a month for two years. And I graduated on June 5th, 2017. All while maintaining I remember that y- day your work. as well. And yes, you can't, yeah. you know, you can't, you don't get a break from your work. Yeah. I still flew between 100 and 120,000 miles a year, a lot around the state. Yeah. I still had, you still have things going on. Um, I do government affairs for the company, so I spent time in Juneau and everywhere I'd been. I was, I did become. It was obvious that I was a little old school because I, I was, and I did find out I was the oldest by three months, the oldest person to graduate in my program that mm-hmm. year. And, I, and you know what? I used to. You come to a point in life where you don't worry about it, and actually you celebrate it. You think, yeah. okay, I am, I am here with millennials. I am here. Most of the people in the EMBA program are at least in their mid thirties to, you know, it's, you've got to be at a certain management level to go through the program. But, you know, I, I took some, I, I, I embraced that, let's just say, but I also loved my books where they would get the books, the required reading books, and then they were selling them on Amazon. I'm like, you can sell your books. And I'm, I'm like, but I'm carrying them in an 80-pound yep. backpack on yep. my pack to Juno, and I'm studying in airports, and I'm studying on airplanes. I knew how to put a, a textbook and a laptop and a cup of coffee on a tray on an airplane. Mm-hmm. I wrote That's pretty impressive. many a paper flying because it was, it was nonstop. It was nonstop. I, I'll never forget uh, being in Juno with you. Yes. You had like some <laughs> sort of video conference with your classmates, class. your, your cohort. Uh-huh. And whatever. you were listening. Well, and yeah, so you you had a friend who had an apartment there, and so we spent the afternoon. I was in like the living room working on my laptop, and you were had your laptop the on the kitchen, and you were having your having your thing. And I remember you know taking a picture over my shoulder of you working in there while I was just doing whatever I was doing. But um, yeah, I mean you were you were straight hustling for a couple mm-hmm. of years trying to get yeah. everything in, mm-hmm. and now yes, you are a degreed yes, professional person with a big. Gaudy I told everybody right? I went to the I went to the University of Washington bookstore and I found I found the vel- purple velvet matted frame with the big gold W and I as soon as that diploma came yeah. my sweet husband he had the back off of it waiting <laughs> and he put it in there for me and it it will it hangs proudly in my office That's and I cool. and it's not to show off or anything it's really 
it's really more personal for you. Yeah, it's a personal that, and it, and hopefully, it sends a message to people that it doesn't matter what age you are, it doesn't matter where you are in life. If you if you have an opportunity, seize the opportunity. Yeah. And I had to jump through all those extra hoops, and there were days I was in tears, and there were days I was saying, you know what, I gotta, I don't need this. Yeah. But boy, I look back and think I wouldn't have. I wouldn't trade it for the world. That's so cool. Maybe not a best practice, but it's a cool story yeah. in terms of, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it is a great plan, though, to a lot of people. They take out a lot of student loans when they're young, and they spend the rest of their career paying them off. You just said, well, just, we're just going to kind of put a bookmark there, mm-hmm. and then I'll wait until I'm successful enough for someone else to put me through. Didn't really plan that. <laughs> that wasn't, that was, part, of that your... wasn't part of my oh, plan at all. I thought it was scripted. Yeah. Here. No. Wasn't, yeah. but it sounds I, good. I love that. I love that story because to me, it is, it's sort of a, an exciting culmination for you in this personal achievement. Yeah. But it is proof that um, by doing great work over time and by being cognizant of the value of other people around you and and caring about them, that you, I mean, most people get that degree so they can be as successful as you are. You were as successful as you were, and then went back to get it because it, it was important to you. It mattered to you. Um, and I think it's just, it's fantastic that um, you are you are one of these people who, uh, as far as I've known you to be, um, you don't let those obstacles stop you from doing what you want and from making the difference you want to make. And so I think that's, I think it's a cool story. Oh, well, thank you very much. Thank you for being here, Marilyn. Thank you. Uh, I very much appreciate that one, you, you came to town today to speak to Leadership Fairbanks, which, which I love. is awesome, and volunteered to stay late to have this conversation so that I could share that with, pe- with people up here. Um, it is going to be super valuable to the people who listen, and I appreciate oh, you. I love that. Well, thank you. Thank you for it. thinking of me. This is... Now you're a podcast pro. Thank you. Oh, yeah, I, I do podcasts. Oh, yeah, I podcast. Yeah. These are my podcasting earrings. That's... Stop. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to The Spark, our weekly email for people who want to do their very best work. All the details are at datelinedigital.com forward slash spark.